Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week, we are joined by a very special guest, Dale Murphy, the Murph. Dale Murphy played for the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, Colorado Rockies, 18-year storied career, should be in the Hall of Fame. I'll dive more into that in the podcast with Dale and after, but joins us in the podcast this week. We talk uh, all things Hall of Fame, talk about Fernando Valenzuela, facing some former Dodger greats, and so much more. So without further ado, here is the Murph himself, Dale Murphy. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. So this week uh, in the uh, in the Carnazada, our, our, our uh, guest is, is, you know, obviously, as you guys know that listen to this, our guests are, are baseball guests and, uh, you know, sometimes they're Dodgers players. But in this case, we have someone that is not a Dodgers player, but is a legend and uh we're super honored to have him join us uh the murph joins us dale murphy how are you doing today sir doing great thank you for for having me on and uh thanks for inviting me into dodger country yeah of course i mean well you i mean if full disclosure for those i mean obviously i'm too young to remember because it was like in 69 when they made that change i wasn't even a thought but uh but when they you know the nl west nl east that was it there was no there was no nothing else up until like the '80s, so we know that you had some battles. So it's kind of cool to uh to to talk to someone that had some battles back in the day. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. People always ask because now they're just so used to the Braves being in the East uh, division. Um, I mean, it makes sense, but obviously we only have two divisions, and uh, um, so I guess you know when Atlanta moved from Milwaukee. And I, I don't know all the history, but anyway, yeah, we ended up in the Western division and a lot of people uh, have always asked me, you know, um, what, what was that like? And I said, it was amazing for us because we went to the West. So, so it's kind of a long reason why I loved it, but I'll, well, it's not a long, re- uh, it might take me a while to explain it, but when you play 81 games in Atlanta in the humidity um, and then, you know, you go uh, to the Eastern division back then and you're in that humidity. And then we would go and play the teams on the West coast, San Diego, San Francisco, LA. We would go out there three times and it was a great uh, break away from the humidity. And, uh, so we, we loved going out there, even though, especially the Dodgers, what in the eighties were so good. Uh, but we did, you know, pretty well against San Francisco and San Diego. It was just that it really broke up the monotony of the hot, humid days. And now I think if the Braves, you know, go out West, they go out once a year. And so for us, even though they were tougher games, like I said, especially against the Dodgers, getting away from that humidity was a great, was a great pick-me-up you know we'd start those games especially well of course san francisco at candlestick it was freezing 
but uh, that that just that cool LA evening was was just a really good break away from from Atlanta. I uh, I want I've always wanted to ask you this, and it's it's something because as a lefty, like I'm an actual lefty, I uh, but I can't do anything with my left hand athletically. Uh, just wanted to confirm: are you are you left-handed? Well, it's kind of confusing to people when they see me in person and I write something left-handed. Uh, no, I'm I'm a little ambidextrous, but but I hit I do everything mostly right-handed except write and eat. Uh, so I'm a little a little ambidextrous, not much, but uh, yeah, I, I throw right, bat right, and right left-handed. So that's kind of weird. Which is wild because, as you know, you know nowadays people want kids to be left-handed pitchers, left-handed hitters, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And and I'm a lefty, and as a kid, my parents were always like, "No, you have to be right-handed because of cultural stuff." If you're a Latino, you know what it is. It is the diablo, yada yada yada. Well, yeah. I, I I I can't throw a ball left-handed. Can't do you know? I can shoot pull left-handed. Can throw darts left-handed. That's about it. Yeah, I I would shoot pool. I shoot pool left-handed. But I shoot a gun right-handed. I play golf right-handed. Um, but it's interesting you say that culturally because my mom started out, she remembers as a child, she was left-handed. And back then, you they didn't want her to be left-handed because of your penmanship. Oh, right. It was hard to have good penmanship unless you're right-handed. So, you know, I have to turn my hand to have decent penmanship uh, left-handed, but my mom just didn't stop me. So, I mean, it'd been, it had been nice to have been a switch hitter, but when I was growing up, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a thought, you know, I didn't really have much of a thought about being a switch hitter and, and just, but I hit right-handed and, and, uh, so it worked out. I would love to have been a left-handed hitter or a switch hitter, obviously it'd have been fun. Which would have made it even more unfair to to add to the lore of your of your career. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm curious though, because you started as a catcher, right? Right. So how how did that change go from you know when you get drafted and everything from going from a catcher to a center fielder? Yeah. Well, again, kind of a long story, but I was drafted as a catcher. Uh, best way to say it is I I kind of got the yips a little bit, started throwing the ball well, not very accurately at all. It was either too high or too low. And then I got better. I mean, after about a year, I'm in the minor leagues. I got it worked out. You know, I was doing okay, but I wasn't going to make it at the major league level as a full-time catcher. So then they moved me to first base in uh, in uh, Richmond in 78 in AAA. I ended up catching about 100 games, though, in the major leagues. Uh, but in 78, my first full year, I was a first baseman because I just, it just, it just wasn't working out. And then 79, I played first base. I caught a little bit and it was okay, but I was, I really got off to a good start in April. Um, and then Bobby Cox uh, in 80 said, Merv, we're going to move you to the outfield. Uh, you know, maybe you can find a home there. And thankfully I, my, my hitting started, I started getting stronger, started hitting a few home runs. And uh, so I moved to the outfield in 80, but that's basically why Bobby Cox uh, moved me there and saved my career. I made my first all-star team that year. In fact, it was the one at Dodger stadium, 1980. And, uh, and, you know, I, I don't, I can't thank Bobby Cox and the, and the Atlanta Braves for sticking with me and finding a position for me. I can't thank him enough. Obviously it saved my career. 
Hey, Dale, uh, it's Juan. So I, yeah. I know you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Candlestick and the wind. Candlestick to me, it still didn't even seem like it was a baseball stadium. I mean, it just it felt huge whenever I was watching the games on TV. Uh, but how was it, especially in the 80s, because the 80s were your heyday. I mean, back-to-back MVPs in 82 and 83. How was it going into Dodger Stadium wearing those powder blues that you Braves used to wear back in the 80s? Did you like playing at Dodger Stadium, especially facing that 80s, that team on the 80s in the Dodgers? Like, who did you hate facing when you came to Dodger Stadium? Well, I always loved, you know, people ask me about my favorite stadiums and Dodger Stadium is always at the top of the list. Uh, And, you know, we had Wrigley Field, I guess, is the other historic, you know, in the 70s and 80s, we had all those round stadiums and as we know, Dodger Stadium was the first one built, as I understand it, for baseball only. Uh, I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I'm watching the Dodgers in the 70s, and I'm seeing Dodger Stadium, and I played my first game there, uh, my first major league game in Dodger Stadium. Uh, got called up in 1976, faced Rick Roden. So the, the other thing is, too, getting back to being in the Western Division, we were out there a lot. You know, we played. I don't know what did we we played each other 18 times, you know, and and we had to have at least uh, three home stands in L.A., uh, you know, to get nine games in. Um, and so being from Oregon, I, I, you know, full disclosure, too, I, I grew up in the Bay Area for a couple. I mean, I lived in the Bay Area for fifth and sixth grade. So I just kind of had this West Coast thing. I love going out there. I hit really well in Dodger Stadium. I mean, in uh, in Candlestick, and I hit really well in San Diego, but that was more I, – I, I don't mean to talk bad about their pitching staff in the 80s, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they didn't have the Dodger pitching staff. I mean, I did okay against Fernando, uh, Lifetime, um, but Oral, you know, Oral Hershiser, Bob Welch, uh, I, I ne- and Alejandro Pena – uh, and, and Pedro's brother. What was Pedro's brother's name? Ramon. 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 Yeah. I, I was in that game. He, I think he struck out 17. Uh, he got me at least a couple times. I think I hit, I made contact off him once. He, he struck out 17 or 18. Um, so I liked to go to Dodger stadium. I mean, the clubhouse was close enough to get a Dodger dog, you know, send the clubby, go get me a couple Dodger dogs. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it just was iconic. And as a visiting player, you got to be out there in the seventh inning during the seventh inning stretch stretch and everybody's singing, take me out to the ball game in center field in Dodger stadium. I mean, it, it's just an iconic place. We had some pretty good teams in the early eighties and they were just always good. It was always a big crowd. Uh, I could say we had a little rivalry. I think they owned us more than, you know, it was we didn't play 500 against them, but I, it was just uh, like playing the Yankees, you know, in, in the American League. It, it was Dodger Blue and Tommy Lasorda and, you know, Dodger Dogs and Vin Scully. I mean, it was everything a, a, a ball player could think of without actually being a Dodger, uh, you know, is to go there and play. So, you know, I, I loved it. I mean, it, it was always a a good game, a tough game because they were always competitive and uh, you know, really getting back to their pitching staff. It was always 
you know, you know it's going to be a, a tough few games. So you mentioned two people that are pretty uh, popular on this show. Uh, one of them is Fernando Valenzuela. So when you were going into Dodger Stadium, that was the height of Fernando mania. Yeah. For those of us that actually weren't there and all we, we've heard the stories, as a visiting ball player, was Fernando mania legit? Oh, totally. I mean, he'd come to Atlanta and we'd sell out because he was pitching. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, it had the buzz of a, I wasn't in a lot of playoff games uh, <laughs> or, or I wasn't in any World Series games. I was in some all-star games. Uh, when Fernando pitched, it had a buzz, you know, that that is noticeably different. And you always knew three days ahead of time if, if, if you were going to face Fernando. And so uh, – uh, it, it yeah, it just had that buzz to it, you know, and and he was it, and he had that funky wind up and that screwball, and he t- you know he looked up in the air when he got his, I mean the whole thing it was magical, and so when you're it's if you know you look back and you'd rather not face a tough pitcher like that, but when you, the older you get, you're like man, I I got to go out there and compete against him you know, and the best, and at the height of a, a just a, a, a real uh, special time in baseball, Fernando Mania. I mean, that, that was a, it was a thing. It was, uh, how many other people, you know, let's think about it. Mark the Bird Vindrich. Uh, I mean, how, how many people got a buzz like that when they were starting a game? I guess, you know, you could think of them, but they're very few when it's that big of a deal. And he was so young and, and he could hit too. That was the other thing. <laughs> I, I know he hit a, at least one home run. I remember seeing one home run he hit against us, but I mean, it was, that's the, the fun of playing the game. You know, I played on some teams. We, we weren't very good. It's just not that much fun because there's no, no electricity in the crowd. And when Fernando was pitching, it, it was electric. It was a lot of fun. So I, there is, I mean, full disclosure here, we're on a mission here to get Fernando's jersey retired uh, in the Dodgers organization. I'm you, surprised it isn't. Okay, and that was my question, JL. I mean, you, the Braves retired your number because the Braves are not crazy. They know that they had a great player on their hands, and they retired number three. As a visiting player, for you just, I mean, we've had Max, Max Muncy just said it should be retired. I mean, you yourself just said right now, you are surprised it's not. When you hear something like that, I, I mean, what is that? Is that disrespectful towards Fernando? Well, I, I don't think they mean any disrespect. You know what I mean? I don't think people with the Dodgers are saying this or that. But I would, like I said earlier, I'm just shocked it hasn't happened what he meant to the organization. Uh, and isn't he still broadcasting? Yeah, he's still broadcast. And they uh, give out a bobblehead of his every year, Dale. They have no problem making money off of Fernando. But when it comes to retiring his jersey, they just won't do it. Well, uh, I, yeah, I, I would not know the answer why. Uh, I think we all know, have a lot, uh, plenty of reasons why they should. Uh, I'll bring you one up with the, the Atlanta Braves, Andrew Jones. Um, uh, but I know we're, you know, that's just, uh, people are shocked. His, his number isn't retired with the Braves, 
But anyway, getting back to Fernando. Uh, well, let me off the top of your head, whose whose numbers are retired? So basically, they only retire Hall of Famers numbers oh. out there. The only exception is Junior Gilliam. And I think that was an emotional decision that they made. Yeah. But everyone that we've had on, Dale, and you, you just mentioned it right now. I mean, you're telling me that Atlanta, and back in those days, it was Fulton County Stadium, that Dodger, was it Dodger fan was traveling? Or did you all of a sudden see a bunch of Mexicans out in the stands and you're sitting there <laughs> going, wait, they didn't come to our games before. Why, why are they here? I mean, the cultural contributions that he made to this sport I think is worthy of his number being retired. Well, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know what else to say, except that, that I agree with you there, there. Yeah. So were there more Mexicans in the stadium in Atlanta when you played uh, Valenzuela and the Dodgers? Was that noticeable to you? Well, I'm sure there were, uh, but, but the Hispanic population, you know, in Atlanta is larger now than when I played. Uh, there was certainly a presence uh, in the eighties. Um, but, but not only culturally, but baseball wise uh, up here. Yes. He, the, he had an impact on the game and, and for the Dodger organization that, that no one else has had. I mean, look at oral oral did. Uh, I don't, I don't even know their numbers, I, but, uh, I would imagine they're comparable, but you know, oral oral. Oral was oral. He was great, but they don't have oral mania. They didn't have that. They had <laughs> Fernando mania. It was a thing. Uh, but I think their decision to only retire Hall of Fame is, members is, is really short-sighted. I, I, you know, that is obviously, obviously you let me know. That's, that's an issue. It's not an issue with a lot of teams. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know. Teams are weird sometimes. Maybe they think, well, if we do Fernando, then we got to do oral. Well, you should do oral. <laughs> the guy was, the guy was incredible. I mean, uh, you should do more. Look, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit. I, I think more of this kind of stuff, retired numbers. I'm a big Hall of Fame guy for obvious reasons and to help my chances. But this is good for the game. I mean, you're right. They have a bobblehead for him. Can you imagine what would happen if they had a ceremony to retire his number? I mean, it would be an incredible day for the Dodgers, and and it's a, it's a. I didn't know that policy existed really with the Dodgers, and I think that's the challenge. And I don't think a lot of. I'd be interested, no, but I obviously my numbers retired with the Braves, and I'm not in the Hall of Fame, and I think uh, that that's the that's the question. I I wish the Dodgers would. Look at that. Look, we need to be progressive. We need to be thinking about the future. We need to build fans and retiring numbers and having recognizing this kind of thing is, is, is marketing. It's building the game. It'll connect people to Fernando. They'll be able to say, what did he do? Go to YouTube, you know, go see what he did, see what it was like. I mean, it, it's good for the game. You know, before I, I hand it over to Alonzo, I just want to say one thing. I don't know if you're aware of this, Dale, but they don't give out his number. So unofficially, it's retired. But like we've heard stories of Manny Ramirez asking for number 34. And they're like, no, we can't give you 34. Why? Because it's Fernando's number. So if it's unofficially retired, why don't you just go ahead and retire? it? Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, I That's funny. 
uh, man, it, 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 I mean, I even might go out for the day if they, if they retire. <laughs> Hopefully it's when they play the Braves. Dale Murphy uh, here with us for a few more minutes. And as you were saying, we're, we're, we're going to get into the hall thing. I, I have told this to our, our mutual friend, uh, Bill Riley, uh, shout out to the homie, Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Uh, I I've said it to these guys. I think it is an absolute crime that you are not in the hall of fame. And I know that there's so many knocks and semantics that people want to kind of like jump through as, as far as what it is. And, and Juan and I have actually talked about this with other, other players. And for me, it's like, if you have to think about it to a certain degree, they're probably not a hall of fame. Right. In my opinion, you're, 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 there's no, in my opinion, there's just no way that you should not be in the hall. And we've had Josh Rawich, the president of the Hall of Fame, on. He's kind of told us, you know, the semantics of 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 uh, a shout out to the homie Josh again. We gave him a shout out last week. We'll give him another shout out this week. Uh, they've, you know, he's kind of outlined how his hands are tied with the voting, for lack of sure. a better term. And uh, and I mean, listen, for for those of you that that are listening to this that don't know, I don't think that there's anyone aside from Andrew Jones that has had the run that you had in Atlanta for nine years, seven time all-star two time NL MVP, five time gold glove award winner, four time silver slugger award winner, uh, two time NL home run leader, two time NL RBI leader. Obviously the number three is retired. Oh, and by the way, he also run a Roberto Clemente award. So it's not like, it's not like we're sitting here litigating like, Oh, well maybe he should be in the hall of very good. You know, and, and so for me, I have a hard, and this is my, my pulpit for a second, where I think Dale Murphy, there's just a no-brainer that he should be in. But I'm kind of curious. You've seen all the stuff going on with the Hall over the last several years. You know, you were talking about growing the game and, and all that. There's people that have even talked about maybe even these steroid-era guys having, you know, maybe something on their plaque to, to determine that. Because, as you know, baseball wants to preserve history. Right, and, right. And at the end of the day, you're one of the, the best Braves to ever play the game, one of the best outfielders to ever play the game, and you're not in the hall. So for you, kind of as someone that's obviously trying to get in, kind of what's your, your, your take on it? And, and if, you wouldn't, if you're not opposed to being candid, we'll gladly take the candor because I think what, anything we can do right now to help that is the move because baseball does a great job of getting in their own way, and it's frustrating. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. First of all, I really appreciate it. And I have a lot of people in my camp uh, pulling for me. Um, yeah, well, there, there's, first of all, my, my personal situation, they have changed the voting to help. They recognized that there was a problem with the quote unquote veterans committee when the veterans committee every year had a few thousand guys to look at. And, uh, so now, as, as, as you guys know, they've changed it. They've divided it, the, the game up into four or five eras. I'm part of the modern era. And then there's the golden era, maybe the Negro League era. And then there's the current player. I mean, current. Uh, anyway, my era is the modern era, like from 75 to 86. Anyway, that was really a great opportunity for guys like me because now as opposed to the veterans committee, my name might not ever come up, but now uh, I have a chance to get on that ballot every two or three years. And that just wasn't happening before. And as we know, Alan Trammell went in uh, Lee, you know, uh, uh, Lee Smith, Harold Baines. Uh, and I'm forgetting a few guys, 
but it, it kind of helps us guys. So first of all, to the Hall of Fame, I say thank you very much. That really helps my chances. And we'll see. I never really thought when I retired that it, it would be a quick situation for me. Uh, you know, I got a few things that people are working through in their minds. Uh, I think one of the prerequisites to going in the Hall of Fame is you ought to think you should, you ought to think that you belong. And so I think I do belong, you know, in a, in a spot in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I'm not a first ballot guy. That's kind of their, that's where they belong. And, and I'm a guy that's going to have to wait and I'm fine. And, uh, you know, I remain optimistic. Getting to the big picture, yeah, there's a lot of controversy now, um, and it's hard to find an answer. You know, people, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at as a baseball community is is where we need to be. I'm against steroids, and, uh, you know, I couldn't be more uh, adamant about that. But but uh, we do have a situation here where where every year, the Hall of Fame and baseball in general gets bashed every year. People are not happy. I, I, I don't know the answer. It's just I, I think that it would be good for us to figure out an answer uh, that may not please everybody, but, you know, would, would it's just it's in a real tough situation. It's I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how we get through this, the steroid era, but it's like we relive it every year. Um, and um, you know, I don't know the answer. I, 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 I appreciate the chance to be considered. And, you know, I think I got some comparables in there and uh, you know, we'll just see if, if the cards fall the right way. And, and I get onto the ballot in a committee that it's tough. You got 16 guys on the committee. You got to get 12 of them. And uh, every time I'm up for election, there'll be some other guys that are that are uh, worthy as well. So it's going to be a challenge, but I, I, I'm optimistic. And, and well said, because I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really has a comparable solution. It just sucks. No matter how we go yeah. about it, it just sucks all around. It, it, it's kind of, it is a, yeah. Um, it, it is. It, we have a real unique situation with our hall of fame and, and this steroid era. And uh, I, I do not have an answer for it. Um, a lot of sports writers, I read a lot of answers. So maybe there is one out there. I mean, a lot of ideas. Uh, but this should be a celebratory time for the game. And, and um, you know, in January and February, there's a lot of, what's the word, just... Uh, Controversy. Um, uh, aggravation. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's better. Well, and, and something I've, I've always been curious of, you, you're a two-time MVP award winner. You played in an era where, where, as you said, there was two divisions. So there isn't, you know, the, the way that it's set up now where you just play one team once and things like that. You played the Dodgers 18 times a year. You play the Giants like 18 times a year. When, when you won your MVP, in, in your mind, was the goal to actually go out and win the MVP? Or is it one of those where you just kind of stuck out, did the thing, and just grinded it out? Because Because it's difficult to win an MVP in any sport. I feel like to win an MVP in baseball is even more difficult than the other big four. Yeah, it, uh, well, the voting was really close in 82. I, I can't remember the voting in 83. I had my best year in 83. Uh, I think I hit a little over 300, and that was the year I was in the 30-30 club. So 
I, you know, I had no, no idea in 82 because, you know, I, my, my numbers the overall numbers in the national league weren't, weren't, uh, didn't jump out at you. So in, in fact, Pedro, Pedro Guerrero, uh, I, I was at a golf tournament with him in, uh, in, in, uh, the Dominican and he pulled me aside, you know, when, when, when I was down there, he goes, Dale Murphy, you, you got one more vote than me in 82 or 83, maybe, uh, or two <laughs> more votes. I mean, he had some great years and, you know, it's subjective. It could have gone either way. Uh, there were some, you know, guys that were deserving and, you know, it, it, it happened. I think 83, you know, I had a, I had a really good year. My name was out there. But 82, it could have gone anywhere, in any direction. And, uh, you know, you just, you, no, you can't go out there thinking about those personal things. You've you got to think to yourself, just be ready, be prepared, be in shape, play hard. And I might mention this too. Those were the two best teams I played on. And it's always easier to show up to the ballpark and play good when you have a, a good team. The atmosphere is good. There's a lot of people there. And that was really helpful. No question. Dale, we want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting close to wrapping things up, but you just mentioned somebody who's dear to my heart growing up in the 80s, Pedro Guerrero. Look, baseball is all about nostalgia. Baseball is all about history, right? Can you remind our listeners how good that guy was? And because I feel like the Dodgers organization, man, just doesn't give that guy enough credit. Pedro Guerrero was a hitting machine, in my opinion. Well, and and not only that, but remember on a bad ankle, wasn't it? Yeah. I was, okay, so I learned about Pedro in 1977 when I played winter ball in the Dominican. And people were talking about him. He wasn't playing because he was rehabbing his ankle. But you know what rehab was like back then in the late 70s? (laughs) You know, who knew what we were doing, but he was taking BP in the cage and they go, yeah, he's a, you know, he's, he's with the Dodger organization. He, I can't remember how he hurt his ankle, but, but remember, and he might've had bad knees too. He kind of did all that, but the bottom line is you just did not want to see him come up with guys on base. And, uh, it, it just was, um, it just wasn't, it was the most uncomfortable I got with anybody I played against during that time was to see Pedro come up with, with guys on base. And then did, didn't he go to uh, St. Louis for a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. He got traded in 88 yeah. for John Tudor. Yeah. Well, you know what they said about him when he was in, in St. Louis is, you know, they had all those fast guys in front of him and they said, Pedro Pedro Guerrero was hit with the bases loaded before the national anthem was over. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I don't know if anybody's got a computer there, which I'm sure you guys do. I would love to see how the voting went in 82. If you got a chance to look it up, if there's, if there's a way you can find it, because it was, he had, he had some great years then. And uh, I think he was he was also trying to find his position because his legs, you know, weren't that good. He played third. I think he played a little first. He played a little outfield. But uh, uh, anyway, we 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 had some some battles and that MVP race, as I recall, was pretty close. Did anybody get a chance to look at that? Look that up? 
we, we have them looking up, but you, you mentioned it, Dale. Uh, we've had other players uh, just recently, Max Muncy just really just spoke very glowingly about winter ball and his experience in winter ball. How was your experience in winter ball? Oh, I loved it. Uh, looking back, of course, did I love it while I was playing? I didn't love it. I played in the Dominican and I loved the people there. We had a great owner. I played for Estrellas, which I think just a few years ago, won the first time ever won the Caribbean world series. Um, so I, I was in, um, I didn't play very well. And they just said, Hey, if you come down here as American and you're hustling and you're not golfing every off day, you know, just, just play hard. And I tried to remember that because I, I didn't have a particularly good year, but I, I have, I have great memories, the food I loved. The competition, I, I have to say the thing that was great that the young kids in America miss now is just is going there and seeing how another, another country lives and then seeing, comparing yourself to where you got to go and how good you got to get. Because, uh, you know, uh, I'm facing Pedro Borbone with the Cincinnati Reds, closer there for a couple of years. You know, I'm just a kid out of double A. Uh, uh, Jesus Alou was still playing. I mean, there was electricity in those games in the Dominican that just didn't exist in minor league baseball at that time. And it was a real growth experience for me. I, I think it really helped shape, uh, you know, my workouts because I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get better because this, this is, you know, in between AAA and, and the big leagues. And back then, all the guys would come home and play, too, because they could make some money. Um, I believe the money's probably good enough now where not a lot of them play. I don't know. But definitely not a lot of guys from the States, Americans, go. I think it, it's, it's too bad because it's a good experience. Did we uh, find an answer to Dale's question, guys, on the MVP voting? Yes, yeah, so it was Dale Murphy 1, Lonnie Smith 2, Pedro Guerrero 3. Do we know the vote differential on it? Vote differential was uh, it's it's all in points according to this. So oh, that's interesting. So two hundred and eighty-three points for Dale, two hundred and eighteen for Lonnie Smith, one hundred and seventy-five for Pedro Guerrero. You're too Ooh. humble, Dale. You're too humble. <laughs> you you ran away with that one. You 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 won. I, did, I didn't one. know Lonnie was that eighty-two or eighty-three. That's 82. I can, uh, let me look up. Oh, you were talking about 83, right, Dale? Well, I don't know. I, all Pedro was saying was, I, you know, he was just kind of kidding around. He wasn't being serious, but. <laughs> I bet but, you uh, he was being serious. I bet you I, he I was. So I didn't know uh, Lonnie finished second in eight, in wait a minute. In 82. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then in 83, it was Dale Murphy, uh, Andre Dawson and Mike Schmidt. Huh. Oh, interesting. And by and by the way, and Pedro Guerrero was fourth. Um, yeah. I should say though, and, and again, this is a, a testament to Dale's humbleness. You you beat Andre Dawson, Mike Schmidt, Pedro Guerrero, Tim Raines for the MVP in '83, just casually. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no big deal. Dale, we're gonna wrap things up the way we end uh, all our shows. You mentioned how good the food was in the Dominican. We're taqueros here on the Bleed Lows podcast. So normally we like to ask our guests 
what their favorite taco is and what places they go to get tacos. But in this case, I'm curious about how good the food was in the Dominican and what particular piece of food you really, really enjoyed out in the Dominican. Well, first of all, they said, hey, do, do not eat at the vendors at the ballpark because, you know, you're American, your stomach won't handle it. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm eating at the ballpark. And uh, so there was something I always got. Well, oh, <laughs> well, my nickname was Johnny Cake. I'll put it, I'll put it that way. Johnny Cake. So I always got the uh, Lechon and the, the Johnny Cake. And, uh, and, you know, I ate everything. But the, the chicken, of course, has spices that we don't have. And so I think I called it just chicken and arroz, arroz y abishuelas or something like that. I can't. But the beans. chicken was like I'd never tasted. Uh, but if I'm in LA, if I'm in LA, it's uh, 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 Tito's. Tito's tacos, huh? Okay. All right, Dale, I can't let you go without asking this because I was a kid that grew up watching TBS, right? So I could see the Braves games at four o'clock. And then if I was lucky enough and they didn't black it out, whenever you guys were yeah. in LA, I could see the Dodgers versus the Braves. But there is one guy that I have to ask you about that I think is just a hero and gave me courage as a, as a young fat boy playing baseball. Because you saw the physical specimen that you were. I mean, you were cut. The baseball uniform fit perfectly on you. And then there was Bob Horner. Bob Horner, to me, looked like he was a guy that just came out of the bar and had six beers, but he was going to hit four home runs that day. Tell the, our audience here, how good was Bob Horner? Well, you know, when he signed, his agent told the Braves and made headlines. He goes, hey, by the way, I'm not going to the minor leagues. Now, remember, he just won player of the year with Arizona State. And he was, I don't know if he was number one overall, probably. Uh, and he goes, I'm not going to the minor leagues. We're all like, who's this guy think he is? Everybody goes to the minor leagues. Well, he ended up winning, he signed in June and won rookie of the year. Uh, he was a guy that is the best hitter I played with. Uh, he helped me out tremendously being in the lineup with me. The guy could he could roll out of bed and hit he came down to spring training his swing was already grooved uh and he was just an unreal hitter i mean seriously i'm sitting by cleet boyer one of our coaches in chicago and he he looks at me he goes murph someday horner's gonna hit four home runs in a game and i think when he did it he was the only the 11th player in the history of the game to do it uh fewer than that guys you know fewer than 10 guys have, have never played in the in the minor leagues I mean, he just walked in and and could hit. And then he started getting hurt, had a few things happen. Uh, I saw him last summer. He's doing well. I'll probably see him this summer again. And, uh, uh, in fact, in a couple of weeks, he's going into the Georgia Hall of Fame, and, and I get to introduce him. So he meant a lot to me in my career and uh, best hitter I ever played with. He was the number one overall pick. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. I actually did not know that, that he just told him, by the way, I'm not going to the minors. I'm going straight to the show. I, I yeah. thought it was like, hey, he's good enough. Let's just try him out. Yeah, no, it was. I don't think they wanted to do it. He said it's part of my contract. And 
we then all just shook our heads. We're like, yeah, okay, good luck with that. Man, he could hit. Dale, uh, I want to thank you for the time. I uh, I want to apologize to Tom Needenfuer that we didn't bring him up because that's someone that's in Juan's <laughs> Fight Club. Uh, maybe down the road we can have you on. Uh, let, let me explain that real, real quick. In my defense, Dale, okay, because you probably run up against this, especially with social media nowadays, but ridiculous fans like ourselves who, who, who lash out at you guys in one of your worst moments ever. Okay, to me, it's that 1985 NLCS when Jack Clark hit that home run. Yeah, And I have this, I recognize it. It's an irrational hatred towards Tom Needenfear. <laughs> and it's because it's post-traumatic, you know, a syndrome yeah. that I have, right? You know? So whenever a Braves, I mean, a Dodgers pitcher gives up a big home run and the Dodgers lose, I immediately tell everyone we just got Needenfeared because that's what I associate <laughs> with. If we, if I ever met Tom Needenfear, I would probably have to apologize to him because... <laughs> He's a major leaguer. He's 10 times better than I am. I mean, you probably run up against this, right? I mean, the Braves had some lean years in the 80s. I don't know if anybody, because you were the stud on the team, but I don't know if any fans ever walked up to you and said, you suck, Murphy. <laughs> well, hey, remember I played for a couple of years in Philly. Oh, okay. So maybe in Philly they might have said in, in Philadelphia where they choose no, violence I, every I, day. I do have to say, I, I know my numbers against Needham Fewer weren't very good. Uh, I didn't particularly like facing him. Uh, but I do have to say, I, I have a number of Braves fans that come up to me. They say, Murph, you played in the best, best time in Atlanta. I'm like, you know, what are you talking about? We only had a couple good years. They go, no, 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 no. You could buy a five dollar ticket, and by the fifth inning, you could sit right down behind the dugout. <laughs> well, and in, in in your defense, in Philadelphia, where they choose violence with their sports teams every day, you're 100 percent right. Because I mean, it's it's they they will boo their own team out of the building. Okay, I, I swear we're gonna let you go, Dale. But I have to okay. ask because you brought up Philadelphia. When Glavin hit you with that pitch. Was that an overreaction? Was there anything behind that, former teammates or anything like that? Or is it just because you were in Philadelphia? Was that did they make up more about that than is that much ado about nothing? Hey, look, no, but it's a <laughs> long. It wasn't. It, but I would love to tell the story, but I'll make you a deal. Okay. Uh, when the Dodgers and Braves match up this year, have me back on. For sure. You got it. You got That's it. That's okay. what we call it as a tease in the business, folks. Yes. And I, I'd love to tell about the story. And it actually is really, it involves the Dodgers. Oh, perfect. Oh. All right. Okay. All right. All, right. All right. Easy enough. Well, then we'll, All right. we'll, we'll have mark, you back mark on for it that. down. I want to be a guest back on. You and we got you there. And you then are just, welcome uh, anytime on the carne asada. And any any more stories about Need and Fury and any former Dodgers you got, you 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 bring them next time, Dale. Okay. And we That's will send you up with this. If you want to play this for the uh, Modern Baseball Committee, by all means, we will gladly allow you to do that. You are in the same category in hitters as Andrew Jones, Joe Carter, Duke Snyder, Don Baylor, Jim Edmonds, Alfonso Soriano, Ron Santil, Gil Hodges, Edwin Encarnacion, Ruben Sierra. Of those guys, one, two, three, four of them are Hall of Famers, I believe. It's a well, crime that Dale Murphy's not in the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. Fun to be on with you guys. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you for joining us, and uh, and we will catch you when the Dodgers play the Braves. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Neil. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Max Muncy, and you're listening to the Bleed Lows Podcast. Juan, much to everyone's surprise, your boy Tom Needenfuer got some love from Dale Murphy. How how do you feel about that? Uh, well, you know, unfortunately, we were going to have Tom Needenfuer on the show, but we just ran out of time. So our apologies to Tom Needenfuer. And uh, we'll try to rebook him for, for, for another day. And we won't talk about 1985 anymore. What a savage comment to make right there. That was kind of, that was low hanging fruit, but much to, you know, Dale, listen, man, Dale Murphy's one of the nicest guys in baseball, period. End of story. Doesn't matter era. Doesn't matter whatever. And it's so, and, and even the, with the way that he talked about him not getting into the hall, he very easily could have gone into a rant of like, this is garbage and sworn all over the place, but he doesn't swear. Um, but he's still so humble. And he's one of the best players that arguably ever play the game. And that dude's still like, well, eh, eh. you know, he didn't really even talk negatively about it, man. What, uh, how do you, how do you feel about that? I'm just kind of curious. Well, here's a perfect example of one of those things where, you know, when you look at his numbers, I was one of those guys that was a no on him making the hall of fame. And then you meet the guy and you have a conversation with him and the guy is just such a great guy. He's very personable. And now you kind of feel bad and you're just kind of like, well, this guy deserves to be in the hall of fame because you like him as a person. Here's the problem. And I think this is one of those things where maybe he will be reevaluated. He had a, his numbers dropped off in a big way after 1988 from like 1980 to like 88, I think, and I don't know, maybe we're going to need to check, but I think no one hit more home runs than him in that period of time. So for a very short period of time, I think he dominated. It's just that he had such a major drop off towards the end of his career that I think that's what hurts him. Now, being that he is now in the modern era, as he discussed, and the fact that now things are changing, maybe, you know, with more stuff coming out on who was on the juice, who was cheating, maybe it does make his numbers look bad, uh, look better. I mean, the guy ended up with 398 home runs. I mean, earlier, you know, off the off the record, what we were talking about when we were comparing Chase Utley and Jeff Kent. They almost played the same number of years, but if you look at it, Jeff Kent had better numbers than Chase Utley. So I think if you look at that, if you compare Dale Murphy to some of those guys that got in in that era, you know, even Murphy himself, you know, one thing I will say, I think is very smart of Dale Murphy is he drops names of players that played at the same time as him. And then you go and you look at that player's numbers and you're just like, well, Dale Murphy has better numbers than this guy or just as good as numbers as this guy. Why is Dale Murphy not in? Like, I remember Alan Trammell being one of the great shortstops in the American League during that era. It was Cal Ripken. It was Alan Trammell. If you pull up Alan Trammell's numbers and you compare them to Dale Murphy, hey, I think you walk away going, well, why isn't Dale Murphy in in the hall. So I, I, it's, it's one of those things where I, you're always going to have this problem. One of the other things that I really like that he brought up is that every year that we do this vote on the hall of fame, we keep talking about steroids and we're never going to get away from it. So we're always going to be reminded that there was a period of time in baseball where people were cheating and nobody did anything. When we have him back on the show, 
that is something that I, I do want to follow up with him because, again, we hear so many people say that they knew it was going on. I want to know, how did you know that it was going on? What were you guys seeing in those locker rooms or maybe weren't seeing and that nobody was speaking out about it back then? Here's a, an interesting tidbit, too. Harold Baines got it. And that's Babyface's favorite player. And, well, and I was going to say, uh, Babyface brings him up all the time as far as getting in on the modern era vote. I, this might be a weird hot take, but also it, it is what it is. I think obviously Dale was better than Harold. Like, there's no, there's no doubt about it. If Harold can get in there, to me, it's a no brainer and no disrespect to Harold, by the way, either. He had a great career, obviously a Hall of Fame career because he's in the Hall now. But if, if in my humble opinion, because again, we, you know, we talk about that the Hall of Fame is a museum. It's a pre- preservation of the of history of baseball, all that stuff. Dale Murphy is one of the top 10 Atlanta Braves to ever put on the uniform. If you go down and you, and you look at the history of the Braves and you look at their 10 best players, he's easily one, two, three. That's that he's one of in that realm. Right. And that's a storied franchise, too. And that the, the and that's a franchise where you're going to have to compete against Heron, uh, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, Andrew Jones, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Chipper Jones, the the legend of Freddie Freeman is being written right now. There, there's so many. Bob Horner, another name that we talked about in the, in the podcast, and and this and it's just such a, a, a in my opinion just a crime that Dale Murphy's not in the Hall of Fame. But I will say. He, he smartly does that. And I don't even think he's doing it intentionally because that, you know, he's just the guy that likes to, to, to talk shop, you know, talk baseball and, you know, for him to even, you know, be, be so, so humble about even his accolades. Cause we have to remember this dude is a two-time MVP, nine consecutive time all-star. Like, I don't think there is not a lot of guys that had the, the run that he did for those nine years. And we also have to remember that a lot of major league guys don't play for nine years. So I think it's unfair that he's not in. I'm not even talking about like war and like OPS and all that stuff. Just when you look at the meat and bones of it all, there is no way that Dale Murphy is not a Hall of Fame. That's just, that's just kind of the, the hill I'm going to die on, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I will say, much to my surprise, he also is a part of the lobby at this point to get 34 retired for the Dodgers. And I'm completely surprised by that. You know, obviously, Max Muncy said it now. Uh, you know, Dale said it now. And he talked about the impact that Fernando had and also facing him a little bit. But, you know, when you kind of look back at it, uh, it is kind of a weird policy. The more you think about it, as, as, as Dale pointed out, I can't remember his exact words, but it's, it's, uh, it's short-sighted. That's, that's the best way to put it. It still continues to be short-sighted. And, and I'm kind of curious to see what the Dodgers do about that because I feel like it's still incredibly short-sighted to him. And, they should, and you've said this, Juan, they need to retire that before he passes away. Look, we've had plenty of guests now on the show that have been just it, it doesn't make sense to them. And maybe it's like Polo Asensio said, maybe we just need to start applying the pressure. Maybe we need to publicly just call more attention to this issue. And and hopefully, you know, he does get it passed. But I, I just want to bring something to, to your guys's attention, because even though we were bashing on Harold Baines, Harold Baines almost got to 3,000 hits. 
Now, here's the thing with Harold Baines. Harold Baines played 22 years. Murphy played 18 years. And again, it was that that bit like and this is something we didn't get a chance to talk with Murphy. And when we have him back on the show, he kind of had a slow start to his career. In the beginning, uh, you you had mentioned it, Alonzo, when you talked to him. He started off as a catcher. Then they moved him over to first base, and it was when Bobby Cox put him in the outfield. That's when Murphy's career took off. So he had a slow start, and then at the end, he had a major drop-off. Like his batting average was you know below 250. He was just really, really struggling. If let's say, and he was also when he got tra- when he got traded to the Phillies, he got hurt. He, he was hurt for almost that. So he lost some time there, right? Baines only has about 700 more hits than Murphy does. And he played four more years than Murphy. If Murphy maybe stays healthy, if Murphy doesn't have that much of a drop off, maybe he has compatible numbers to Harold Baines and, and maybe he gets into the hall of fame and, and it's not as much of a, a debate anymore, but that's a lot of stuff that I think you have to factor in. I mean, Koufax played 10 years, right? His career, Ended because he got hurt. Kirby Puckett is another guy whose career ended because he got hurt. So he was so good for a short period of time. So I think those kind of guys can rely on their injuries to be like, well, that's why I didn't have the longevity. Unfortunately, Murphy didn't have a devastated injury that ended his career. So I I think that's what voters look at. Now, one of the other things, and this is why they have these committees, maybe maybe the baseball writers vote shouldn't count that much. Maybe it should be weighted differently. I mean, shouldn't it be your peers? Shouldn't it be guys that you played against? Like if people say that to you, I mean, there was a quote, I think it was, uh, Oh, it was Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey compared Dale Murphy to Willie Mays and to Hank Aaron, because he said, that's a guy that will beat you not only with his glove, but he can hit a home run. I mean, if, if you got guys who have seen them play during their era, that's got to count for something, right? I think so. And I mean, in full disclosure, as, as we, we, we're not trying to run a bus over Harold Baines. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Harold Baines had a great career. Great, great career. Some, I've even heard some people say they've kind of done the Omar Vizquel thing. He was a, quote, accumulator. I don't think that's a great thing either because Omar Vizquel is one of the best defensive players to ever play the game, too. So I think that's an unfair characteristic. And, and see, and that's one of the things that I don't like about the Hall of Fame debate is it, it seems like I have to put someone down. Right. Right. To make a case for someone else. Which is when there's, exactly. Which is I'm, I don't want to sit there and say that, well, Dale Murphy sucked when it's just like, no, dude, Dale Murphy didn't suck. Ask any. I mean, in 82, I mean, in 83 alone, Alonzo, the guys that he beat for the MVP. Andre Dawson. I I think everyone that you read there, except for Pedro Guerrero, who I don't know, I guess poor Pedro (laughs) must have done some horrible things (laughs) off the field for everyone to just pretend like he never existed. But the names that he beat, Mike Schmidt, Andre, those guys are all Hall of Famers. Yeah. And he beat them out. Babyface, you're chomping at the bit. What do you want to say? I I think the Harold Baines thing is because we hear the name and I don't remember him being like such a like huge star like Mike Schmidt, Dale Murphy, um, Andre Dawson in that era. So is it because Harold, he played for the American League and you Harold didn't Baines, see him? 
<laughs> I don't know if I didn't see him. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't picture him as like that on that level of of like superstar, base, you know, baseball players at that time. Uh-huh. Maybe he wasn't on this week in baseball enough. I don't know. Right. But like you know, he did. Like you said, he had a rock solid career. Obviously, play that play that long and have you know put up those numbers. But I think his his case is more when people think about it. Like Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, I guess, because we don't see him like said as maybe a superstar in that era. Like, like I said, you know, Dale Murphy, Mike Schmidt, you know, those guys. Well, those guys stand out to me more because I, when they played the Dodgers, I would see those guys playing against the Dodgers. Schmidt would always hit home runs. I mean, I remember Andre Dawson more as a Chicago Cub than as a Montreal Expo. But people that are older than me just say that when he was with the Expos, that Andre Dawson was a beast that he was just something else. And it was actually before he hurt his knees, it, he changed. But growing up as a kid, when he was with the Cubs, he was always mashing. And it was because I had WGN and I could, and the Cubs were playing at one o'clock in the afternoon, 11 o'clock in the morning. I could watch baseball in the summer all day. I had the Cubs then I could watch the Superstation TBS when they would put on the Braves. And then when the Dodgers were on the road, I could see the Dodger games all the time. So I, I do feel like I'm a little more, I show more favorability towards the National League players because I remember them playing against the Dodgers when Harold Baines, you're, you're right, baby face. If he wasn't on this week in baseball, I would never hear anything about Harold Baines. Well, and in even Pedro, Pedro Guerrero had an incredible career. He won <clears throat> Silver Slugger, World Series MVP, obviously the 81 World Series, and was a five-time All-Star. And so it's not like he's just some rando as well that just Dale just kind of ran over. Like, I mean, they, for lack of a better term, there was kind of a murderer's row around that point, right? And Dale quietly just went about his business and did the thing. But it's also, let's just, let's just put it into perspective too. Dale was so good. So good. And, and not only was he so good, he was willing to eat food in the stands in the Dominican. Which when they warned the white boys, don't eat it because you can't handle our food. Just like they say when you go to TJ, don't drink the water porque el chorro. And you exactly. know, it's, it's the chorro real is real, man. Real. The chorro oh, is real. real. I, I would have a seven up for breakfast when I went down to, to Mexico. So. And I don't blame you because it's real. <laughs> no, it's real. And by the way, the, I, I specifically asked the question about the catcher thing, because I think a lot of people forget that he's, that he started his career as a catcher. And then they're like, well, we're trying to find somewhere for you to play. So let's see where this works. And it was a first that eh, didn't really work. Goes to center field. And it's like, Oh, cool. So you're just one of the best center fielders to ever play. That's fine. That's fine. Like that's just how good that dude was. And it's not even fair. And also, I mean, mean, Kenley's a converted catcher, right? I mean, it's crazy because there are stories like this all the time where we got to change a position for you. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, This is another edition of the Bleed Loss podcast. Big, huge thanks to Dale Murphy. And uh, as Juan started out with our apologies to Tom Needenfear, we'll uh, we'll catch him on the next episode. But from your boys, Alonso Juan and the babyface gimmick in the sky, Roger, this is the Bleed Loss podcast. We'll catch you down the road.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.